Yeah, and I, I think um, like Luther kind of pushed back against the the corruption of his day in a church that had kind of added added a second layer of authority that it wasn't necessarily scripture that was serving as the final authority on things. Welcome to the weekly a podcast on books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. I am your host, Trevor Hoffman, and I'm joined by two nerds uh, here with me, two of our <laughs> residents, and they both gave me quite the look. Uh, so uh, today with us, uh, I have John Hyatt and Bryce Harrison. Gentlemen. What up? What's How's up? How's it going? What you guys up to today? Being insulted by our <laughs> lead pastor. <laughs> Which is not out of the norm for Which is, our days of the office. It's par for the course. It's a yeah. Tuesday. It is a Tuesday, indeed. Uh, what are you guys working on today, other than uh, trying to develop more self-esteem after I chop you down <laughs> routinely? <laughs> uh, mostly working on sermon prep for this upcoming Sunday. Excellent. Jeff, yeah. how about you? I'm doing some prep for uh, devotion at the soup kitchen this Friday. So, Lots of reading. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. John, you've been on the podcast before. Bryce, this is your first go. Tell us a little bit about what you do for the Church of Grace Station. So my official title here is Church Planting Resident. So I'm working through the process of being trained and equipped for a church planting endeavor at some point down the road. And in the meantime, uh, oversee our college ministry. And I'm trying to think through and strategize what college ministry looks like for us as a church down the road. Excellent. Now, here's a surprise question I did not warn you about. Yes. If you could have coffee with any dead guy, who would it be? Hmm. That's like that's a serious question. Usually, it they're is. ridiculous. It's usually something related to like breakfast cereal or '80s <laughs> hair metal. I don't. I don't drink coffee, so. Chocolate milk. If you could have chocolate, <laughs> I ch- chocolate milk with any dead guy. Who would it be? Um, do I speak their language? We're just going to assume here that we can all speak common tongue. I think I would I would enjoy coffee with John Calvin. I think that'd be a really interesting guy yep. to enjoy coffee. I feel like he'd cut straight to the chase. Like there was, but chocolate milk, um, Pope Leo ninth. <laughs> I think I'm going to give the much less spiritual answer. Um, I think I would probably have chocolate milk with my boy Jackie Robinson. Excellent. Okay, cool. I'm actually shocked that neither one of you guys said C.S. Lewis. He doesn't drink chocolate milk. <laughs> He's way too British for chocolate milk. There's no way British people drink chocolate milk. No way. There is it's off the, off the table. Zero chance. Yeah. Cool. So for those of you who aren't heretics and who don't celebrate Halloween, this is the time of year where... Uh, uh, as good Protestants, we observe Reformation Day. So uh, what we want to talk about on the podcast today is uh, the importance of Reformation Day, why it's important to um, remember the accomplishments of the Reformation and provide a little bit of an intro uh, to what the Reformation was, why we celebrate Reformation Day, and then what is considered the triumph of the Reformation, the five solas. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So um, I'll throw it to you guys. What uh, why is it worth remembering the Protestant Reformation? Why October 31st is it worth remembering that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Church of Wittenberg? Um, I think for me, to some extent, the importance of 
of observing and remembering things like Reformation Day is just to, to remember our place in history as the inheritors of a rich theological tradition. We haven't just been kind of dropped into our context uh, out of time and space, but instead we've we've inherited a long past and a, and a history of the church that really inform things that we do today, like how we observe baptism and how we take the Lord's Supper. And, and those things are, are things that the church has been practicing for throughout the years. And, and in many ways, we've kind of in, inherited those traditions and, and a long legacy uh, that runs behind us. I think it's similar to things like uh, the NFL having having periodic times when teams wear throwback jerseys because as you watch Todd Gurley coming down the field in the the bright blue and bright yellow rather than the the newer navy and gold you remember things like Marshall Falk and Eric Dickerson and you remember that even these these guys that are playing today kind of stand on the back of giants and have inherited a, a tradition behind them excellent what about you John yeah um I guess, um, at least from my background, like didn't really grow up too much in the church and then ended up in the church and heard that we were a Protestant church and didn't really quite know what that meant. Um, but just learning like what it means to be Protestant um, distinctively, like being identified as that kind of church and seeing where that started, I think that's just really helpful. It helps us to kind of reorient kind of around the, the essential things of the faith. Um, it gives us a good grounding to, to work out our, our distinctives as, as a Baptist church and then onward and outward. So, Yeah, that, that's really good. Like Kind of the idea of having a center. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why the Protestant Reformation is still worth talking about today and why it's relevant for today is because with the five solas, they do give us categories for thinking about like what is, what is the center of our faith? Like what is true north? Uh, for the Christian faith. And so the five solas, if, if you're not familiar, are uh, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, and to God's glory alone. Now let's camp out on each of those and talk about why each of those are crucial and central to our faith. So first, grace alone. What, is it, what does it mean when we say one of the triumphs of the Reformation was reclaiming this idea that it is grace alone by which we are saved? Yeah, well... The, the doctrine of grace alone is stating that, that our salvation is, is purely by God's grace. Um, it, and that means that it's not by our works. It's not by the, 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 the tithes we give or the good deeds that we do that earn us merit or, or favor before God. But, but any salvation that we experience, any, any life with Christ we have, is purely of God's own goodness. Hmm. Um, it's of um, His being, His character. Um, God's being is good news for us. It's not something that we, we make ourselves presentable to God, um, which really kind of leaves us with uh, nothing to offer. Um, but when we look at the, the rest of the solos and at the, at the picture of Scripture, that's actually a very, very good thing because it puts mm. the weight on, on God's promises. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think even just um, looking at, at Martin Luther's life himself and seeing prior to that that realization that salvation is by grace alone like you really see the the story of a tortured soul of someone who who wanted to find peace and wanted to find some escape from i, I mean he lived right in the middle of a medieval world when half the population was claimed by plague and there weren't antibiotics and vaccines and and people were really 
just kind of at the mercy and the whim of of tragedy and and things happening at any moment and he wanted some type of peace and assurance and he tried to find that in in the church and a church that taught that salvation came through works and through observing the sacraments and you and you see just kind of how that that tortured his soul as he constantly struggled with his own insufficiency and and attempts to be better and to be holier and um to the point that he he would lie awake through the night like having physical altercations with the devil himself uh, arguing and throwing things across the room because he just felt the weight of satan's accusations against him and, and didn't really have an answer for it um, and it was this doctor doctrine of by grace alone that finally gave luther the peace that he was looking for that he didn't have to fend off satan's accusations by anything other than knowing that that god extended grace to him uh, regardless of his sufficiency that's great uh reclaiming this uh, this concept of a God who is a gift giver, a God who is, is compelled only by his own goodness and graciousness to offer us salvation, not on the basis of works, uh, but on the basis of faith, which helps us move into the, the next of the five solas, by faith alone. Why is that a, a, a crucial... Uh, a crucial aspect of uh, the five solas, something that emerged from the Protestant Reformation, faith alone. I think I think you could hear the objection being raised, maybe from the um, the church in in Luther's day, especially. Well, um, you say it's grace alone. You say salvation is by grace alone. And I think they would say, well, well, it is. God's being gracious and giving us um, the opportunity to to buy indulgences. God's being gracious by giving us the the Eucharist, like, and, and, and that is grace. Um, it's grace for him to provide the, to provide those means that we can earn our salvation. The thresholds uh-huh. and standards that, that by which we achieve our exactly. salvation. Yeah. And, but what by faith alone says is that actually the, the only thing that even, even brings about this grace is, is faith in God's work in Christ. Um, that these other acts are, are not in any means like meritorious of, of righteousness like um faith is the thing that 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 brings us to to know christ fully um which is which is huge to to, to imagine the alternative is uh, i think where we really see how important it is that salvation is by grace alone because otherwise we would be working constantly and never have true rest mm-hmm. um, in the gospel mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's the example that we see of Jesus's teachings in the Gospels as well, as Jesus is doing miracles and doing healings. And uh, there's constantly the the claim that your faith has made you well, um, that he has, he's seen those who, who have great faith, and it, it's their faith that has, um, has restored them. It's not that they've met a certain criteria or they've they've come from a certain socioeconomic status, but it's it's those who re- respond to the coming of God's kingdom with faith. That's great. And of course, um, Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the foundational texts that root both of these ideas, that we are saved by grace alone, so of God's own initiative and opening himself up to us and making salvation available and we're saved by faith alone and that it, it is faith by which we receive this gift um, and nothing else uh, the, the third of the five solas is christ alone now, what does it mean when we say christ alone 
Well, I think um, I think of things like uh, the opening to the book of Jude when Jude talks about the uh, the faith handed um, handed down once and for all, um, and I think think about things like uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians in chapter fifteen when he talks about like the the things that he's received of God, the, these things of first importance. These are the things I pass down to you because because that is the gospel through which you're being saved. Um, and as Paul talks about this this faith that's been handed down from the apostles, uh, similarly like similar to the to the doctrines that have continued to be passed down to us through through guys like Luther and, and other giants of the Reformation, um, the focus of that that gospel that Paul talks about is is Christ. That it was Christ who died. It was Christ who was buried on the third on, buried and, and raised on the third day. Um, and as Paul kind of boils it down to, here's the things of first importance. Um, all of those things center around the life and the work and the death of Jesus. Yeah, and First um, Timothy two, it says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Je- the man Christ Jesus. Um, there's not multiple mediators. Christ alone is the one who mediates between us and the Father. When, when Hebrews talks about, like, we have one high priest who has gone um, into the heavenly places on our behalf. Um, that means that, that, that there aren't kind of mediating people between us and, and, and God. Like, Jesus has, has ascended to the, to the throne, and we have a relationship with Jesus, which means that we don't go through these other religious authorities who could become corrupt, who could be fallible. Um, we have a, a connection directly to Father because Christ himself um, has died and has risen again and mediates for us. That's great. That's really good. And, and it's kind of a helpful segue into the next of the, of the solas, the fourth sola, Scripture alone. Now, what's the significance of sola scriptura? Yes, uh, sola scriptura. Scripture alone means that 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 the scriptures that have been breathed out by God, they're the only, they're the ultimate source of faith and practice for for the church. So there's not um, there's not scripture and then just common sense outside of that, but like scripture actually governs and guides what the church does and is. The the God's word actually forms the church. Um, so that means that that that. Traditions can't develop later that then contradict scripture um, and add on to scripture. Um, but, but any tradition, any, any belief that we hold, um, that we inherit, should always be tested up against the scriptures. Um, and that provides us kind of sure uh, confidence in the same way that, that Jesus is the one mediator. Like we have this one word uh, from God and it's in, it's in scripture. Yeah, and I, th- I think... Um like Luther kind of pushed back against the the corruption of his day in a church that had kind of added added a second layer of authority that it wasn't necessarily scripture that was serving as the final authority on things it was um the church leaders who could read the scriptures in Latin that most people couldn't read and so they could kind of in, interpret them and teach them in any way they wanted because they were the only ones who could read them. They they were essentially the de facto authority, not scripture itself. It led to a lot of corruption in the church and, and misunderstanding on behalf of, of the people who are being taken advantage of. And I think similarly in our day, we've kind of shifted to not a 
an added institutional authority, but instead almost kind of like a um, relative individual authority where we say, hey, my own heart is really the ultimate authority of, of what's right and true, uh, not scripture. And so while while that doesn't lead to the same type of corruption that the that the institution did, it it still leads to corruption because at the end of the day, it takes authority out of scripture and places it on something else that's much more fickle and prone to sin. That's, that's really good. And one of the things that I love that you guys have both stated is that scripture is the final authority. Um, and so what we mean by that is, is not that it's the, not that it's the only source of truth, but that it's the ultimate source of truth. So uh, frequently you'll hear folks say, kind of uh, appealing to sola scriptura because, you know, scripture alone is our authority. Um, we therefore have no creeds but the Bible. And so any kind of tradition is just a tradition of man and is to be tossed aside. But scripture alone doesn't mean uh, nuda scriptura. It doesn't mean like scripture, like naked by itself. It means scripture as the final authority. Um, and things like tradition and the creeds have a place and they have a, a helpful place in uh, understanding scripture and kind of under, understanding the inheritance that we've been given, but just not ultimate. Scripture is ultimate and everything should always be tested up against finally and fully scripture. Uh, good. Um, and then the, the last of the five solas is uh, God's glory alone. What's being communicated there? Well, I mean, I think... Uh the the flip side of the coin when we when we look back across church history and and see some of the giants like Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and some of the reformers that have kind of called us back to these elemental principles of scripture like to God's glory alone is that we can also look back through the pages of church history and and frankly see some some pretty horrible atrocities and abuses as well um, we see things like the Crusades, where where wars were fought uh, for the glory of Christendom and for uh, capitalistic power and, and expansion of, of the West. We see things like um, the conquistadors uh, invading South America and Central America and Im- imprisoning natives all for the glory of, of God and country, um, kind of tacking that political, uh, expansive, world-dominating power onto the end of what it meant to, to pursue the glory of God and, and using missionary-type language, but really just to kind of baptize the glory of, of self and, and the rise of, of nations. And so I think it's important for us to, to push back against those type of efforts and remember that... Um, what we do is is for God's glory alone, and God's glory is not simply a vehicle to promote our own glory or our own uh, tribalism. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, and just like the Ephesians two um, quote, the so that no one may boast. Um, Paul's kind of overarch, you know, Paul who's accomplished so much uh, in advancing the name of of the gospel and, and and being the hands and feet of Christ and and the the early century of the church, like, I mean, he just sees himself as like the chief of sinners. You know, he, you know, he, he says he's a jar of clay, um, just to showcase the glory of, of God, to showcase, showcase just how 
wonderful and merciful and righteous and, and good God is, like that's what the gospel is supposed to be. And so when we put things in place of God's glory and seek our own glory, like it actually undermines the entire um, the entire Christian message. So. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I think about I think about First Corinthians one when he talks about the foolishness of the cross and and, and Paul saying there like the foolishness of the story of a crucified king who offers pardon for those who would just have faith in him um, it undercuts any uh, any of our attempts to want to have any credit given to us for our salvation so so if we're if we're saved by faith and not by works like we have no grounds for boasting because we did nothing to merit God's gracious gift of salvation and that's I think one of the uh, one of the points of emphasis in uh, you know to God's glory alone is that God 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 saves us so that we could stand in awe of God's generosity towards us. Period. Um, so cool. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, spending a few minutes talking through these things. And I feel like I should say, if you celebrate Halloween, you're not a heretic. I was just kidding. We can, we can do both and Reformation Day. There's Christian liberty. Christian liberty. Yeah. That's right. One or the other. Yeah. Also, we need every excuse that we can to dress up like Batman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, happy Halloween, happy Reformation Day. Enjoy your Batman costumes and your your chocolate milk, unless you're British. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you, guys.